it's the Friendly Fire Show, episode 133, for like the 7th or 8th of March, Ben. Like, we're not too regular on this yet, so we're still feeling it It doesn't out. matter, we're back. We're back. That's what's important here. <laughs> I'm Steve from Survivor, and with me is my friend and confidant. Ben, also from Survivor. And Tano is still alive. We have it on good authority. He's also having a child, so uh, any any prospect of having him on the show is basically done and dusted you reckon? he's a friend of the show now he was always a friend of the show even when he was on it but he's he's definitely a friend now he hasn't been on for about two years and we congratulate him for his ability to impregnate his wife well he's done it finally <laughs> <laughs> that's what these italians are doing all the time so he's finally done it he's exactly family, very happy well, and as are we. Um, we've got a fairly action-packed uh, show ahead of us, Ben. Should we just get we into it? We should. All right. Well, I'll start, I guess. Um, I have just literally published, uh, or not published, scheduled my review of Devil May Cry 5. So I thought we'd start with that, if that's okay with you. I'm very excited. I played the demo on Xbox One, the special Xbox demo. But that's yeah. all I've seen of this whole game. So I really don't know what to make of it. So are you like a Devil May Cry fan? No, not at all. But okay, I like the concept. I'm, I am and am not. Like the, the coolest thing I think about Devil May Cry is that it started off as a Resident Evil game. And knowing me, like, yeah, that makes sense. That's why I'm interested in it. Uh, Devil May Cry 4 came out on the Xbox 360 in 2008. Um, and there's been like the Ninja Theory kind of reboot since then. But this is... Five. This is a continuation of like the main Capcom story, um, like eleven years after the fact. And I guess the thing that kind of stuck with me is that Resident Evil Two is this old school survival horror game that Capcom has just put out. It takes like the old tenets of the genre and kind of like adds this, you know, like the new modern kind of functionality and control and and mechanic system to it. Um, where Devil May Cry Five is basically just the same formula 11 years later so like it's good but it's kind of bland at the same time um so like if you like devil may cry you're gonna like this game if you don't really care it's kind of hit and miss like the the biggest thing that i had a problem with is that the environments are so samey like for the last five six missions of the game you're literally looking at the same kind of like demonic wall and floor texture literally everywhere and you basically just run in a straight line drop down a hole get into an arena where you fight bad guys kill them you can run again you run forward you get into an arena where you kill more bad guys and you just rinse and repeat that's very Um, japanese action game though pretty isn't it yeah and like the, the good thing about the game is that it is like the combat is solid. And that's the, you know, like if you're playing a Devil May Cry game, you're basically playing for combat. And between three characters and a whole bunch of different ability styles and the ability to swap like melee weapons and ranged weapons and use kind of like these cool things, the combat is always fresh and always fun. And it's running at 60 frames per second. So you can't fault that. Um, my favorite character to play as is the new one, uh, V. V for Victor, I guess. Um, While Dante and Nero have like guns and swords and that kind of stuff, V fights through like demonic familiars. So he has a falcon and he has like a leopard and he also has this kind of like golem-like 
like just big hulking mess. So he can't actually deal damage himself. He has to command his familiars to do it. Um, right. So you have to kind of stay away from fights and let your henchmen do it. But the kind of trick to it is he can't, or your like your familiars can't finish off enemies. So V has to actually run in and like deliver the finishing blow. So you have to be far away enough that you don't get hit, but also close enough that you can kind of land that last strike and manage the stylistic system. Because if you don't, you know, kill people with style, you don't get red orbs, you can't upgrade your systems, da 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 da. So, Isn't that good? Yeah, no, it's not. But it's like, it's <laughs> an interesting take and it's kind of fun. And like, that's probably the only new thing about the game that I like. Um, people don't want new though, kind of like, do they? Really? Pardon? The people who want this type of game don't want something new. People were so excited at Gamescom. I think it was the most played demo besides Spider-Man, weirdly, which people were playing, even though it had just come out. Yeah. The Devil May Cry line was huge. And it was just because people want the same thing. Isn't that what they want? I guess so. Like... But it's so samey. It's like so 10 years ago. Like you have this um, henchman that kind of looks like Cindy from Final Fantasy 15. Like she's this kind of like hick girl with like a crop top and she's like your mechanic. Um, So Nero has one of his arms taken off. So he gets these kind of like interchangeable prosthetic arms. And she gives him these different arms when you find them or like upgrade them or whatever you do. But like when she goes to get them, there's this weird cut scene of her basically like flashing her tits at you and then like bending over seductively to like hunt for where the arm is behind the desk she's standing at. And then she like pops back up and like puts it on the table. It's like wholly unnecessary and very, it seems dated to me. Like, and that kind of just sums up the whole game. Like it's good, but it's like, it hasn't progressed. It hasn't innovated since the last one it sounds very 2006 that was kind of the thing we're having early last generation it's like look at this look what we can do now yeah. it's out it's like i gave it a seven the review comes out like we're recording on wednesday it comes out thursday morning i gave it a seven like it's like the combat is enough to make you want to stay but like it's pretty samey so if you're kind of on the fence about it i'd say just wait till it gets cheaper well speaking of very samey crackdown 3 is basically a 15 year old game <laughs> is that how you i mean that's the only way i can summarize it a lot of people like that though i know we gave it a four i think luke reviewed it is that right yeah he didn't like it he i played it for like, like it. two hours i i stand by his decision i didn't find it that enjoyable well it's a shame tano's not here because he actually really liked it but he was a big crackdown one fan not so much crackdown two i think so this is more or less what people wanted. They wanted this kind of old feeling game. And I kind of, I've only played a little bit myself and it is two games. We should note for some reason you get a single player game and a multiplayer game, which were two separate games. They download as two separate games. They're not really related at all. And they just called crackdown three, which is very odd. Do you know the reason for that? Because they were made separately. Yeah, pretty much. Like when they first announced it at E3, they had whichever developer did multiplayer was, the main developer and they were going to tie into all this like Azure cloud damage stuff. And then I forget the specifics, but they got bought out by someone. So they'd left. And then Microsoft just kind of like shoved it over to Sumo Digital, whose like title at the time was Xbox Fitness. And they do a whole bunch of like crappy ports. So they didn't get the Azure technology stuff. And they just kind of made this little like side game. That's also the campaign. Well, it was a big deal when they announced it. I'm going to say E3 2014, and they kind of showed the power of the cloud and making more destructible buildings. And was the whole thing, which your Xbox is too weak to do. 
And in the end, none of that happened. So we got a very different <laughs> game. Um, and Xbox One X probably made it redundant anyway, because when they were talking about that, they weren't thinking about a mid-cycle upgrade. Yeah. Um, but in the end, we've got a game that feels like it's come out of 2008, which is more or less what has happened. And in a way, I can kind of see why people enjoy it and why it's fun. It, it's a type of game that would never get made now. It's kind of like if you go back when, I remember when Rare Replay came out and we played Perfect Dark. And it was still kind of fun in a way that no one would ever release a game like this now. It's just too dated, but there's still some fun here. And that's kind of what it feels like to me. It feels like a game that's 12 years old, but not really remastered. And there's an idea here, which was fun, but we've just progressed so far beyond that, that no one would make it anymore, except for in this sequel situation. So it looks old. Does it, or sorry, oh, I just ruined what I was going to say. It plays like it's old. Does it look like it's old? I don't really know what it looks like. It doesn't look old. It's stylized in a very simplistic way. I'm not really sure how to describe it. Like you can obviously tell that Terry Crews is the main guy. I could recognize who he is. If this was on 360 early days, I, you, no way you could kind of pick a character really. Yeah. But then it's pretty simple as well. It's just very colorful and neon and kind of blood dragony. So it's an interesting looking game. Well, I, I guess it's it's a weird landscape right now because if you happen to be paying for xbox game pass like it literally is an air quote free game so it's not like it's gonna hurt you to try it but like does that mean you rate it better because it's kind of free or do you just treat it like it's another game release and if you don't like it and think it's dated you just say that like it's it's a weird landscape right now i think the second one's right because you pay for game pass for the whole thing and probably its biggest perk is that you get first-party Microsoft games on day one. So you expect those to be good. And the first one we had was Forza Horizon 4 hmm. and, and Sea of Thieves, but that was kind of not too great either. So we're getting these Microsoft games, which are not fantastic, besides one. And the whole perk is you get these day one, you don't have to buy them. But if they're not great games, then what's the point in that? Yeah. You can't really just say, well, you're not really paying for it, so it's not great, but enjoy anyway. Well, if I can steer the conversation away from Crackdown, I kind of fell into the same trap. I um, got a month of EA Access, Ben, so I could play Anthem early on Xbox One ahead of uh, proper release because like most EA games, it had like 17 release dates depending on how much money you wanted to throw at the game. I did not follow the release dates. Is it out yet? I don't even know. Like- it is It is definitely out. Um this is one of those weird ones because anthem came out if you had an ea no that's not what it's called if you had a pc origin access premiere account on pc you could play anthem a week early without any restriction and if you had a normal origin access pc subscription or a an Xbox One EA Access subscription, you could play a week early, but for 10 hours maximum. And then if you were anybody else, just like a normal pleb, you had to just wait till the release date, which I guess release date is kind of a flexible term at this point. But anyway, um, the problem with Anthem is that it was really, really bad during that week of uh, early access period time. So like the day one patch fixed a lot of the problems that I had with the game. Um, This horrible horrible loading screen situation where you just had loading screen upon loading screen upon loading screen. Um, There was this weird tether functionality where if you got like, oh, like three steps away from your uh, team of up to four people, 
the game would rubber band you so hard that you got kicked from the session you were playing, thrown back into a loading screen, and then loaded beside the player that you were supposed to be beside, even though you were basically beside them anyway. Um, And like a whole bunch of loot drop stuff that was just awful as well. It's since been fixed in the patch, but like it's kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And I guess the other thing with this now is that there's all these reports as, you know, we're talking of the game basically just being broken on PS4 and just like sending consoles to a crash state all the time. So that's not right. Not been a great launch for it. (laughs) Like it's a looter shooter that, is kind of fun and you feel like you're Iron Man and there's this nice like fluidity of like flying through the air and landing and using all these cool weaponry. Um, but like that's all in third person kind of destiny style. You get back to like your hub world and you're in first person and you could like just crawl through this like area. Like you're just wading through molasses. It's so bad. And it just feels like a single player Bioware game that kind of feels like it's been ham-fisted into this like weird MMO looter shooter territory that it doesn't quite fit in. Um, and whereas like the division two with Ubisoft, they're like just pushing, like we have a year of content plan. This is exactly what's happening. It doesn't feel the same way with Anthem. It just kind of feels like sparse and like see what you get. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. So it's like in a year's time, it'll probably be a game that like I can't stop playing and I can't talk enough about, but right now it's just pretty meh that's the problem with all these games though they launch without really a clear idea and anthem's problem is it's going up against the division two as you say and if that comes out only a few weeks later and is fantastic i mean who has the time to play both so they really they needed to be great at launch to have that kind of three-week head start it's almost like a console launching a year early and then they're having nothing and the competition comes in and takes it away like they needed to use their head start well and they haven't so if the Division 2 launches and it's really polished and it has some actual aims and you kind of feel invested in the world, that's it. It'll just die off, I'd say. Well, in between like this and Fallout 76 and like games that kind of like are supposed to be as a service that just kind of launch and we're like, eh, it'll get better. Like we'll fix I think it one day, yeah. Customers are starting to like force some like responsibility back upon publishers like no we don't like this idea anymore like just release a game that can stand on its own and if you want to keep releasing stuff and improving upon it great but like don't release it half-assed and half-broken and then kind of like assume we're going to be okay if you fix it in a week's time or two weeks time or a month's time it'll be interesting to see what happens with destiny in the future because that's been their whole release model is here's what we've got now and we'll fix it eventually but give us money now and it's worked yeah. to a degree and people kind of accepted it and it got this massive community. And I think Bungie having good rep really helped them. EA and Bioware not having such a good reputation is probably going to go against them. But yeah, as you say, people have had enough. And I think Fallout 76 was the final straw. That was like unbelievably broken. Mm. And yeah, people just thought, why am I paying full price right now for this unfinished product? This is not early access. I've paid for it. Well, and like, Whereas the, I think the thing that we're going to talk about next, because I've I've read our call sheet, Ben, is a game that we didn't know about a month and a half ago and came out and surprised everyone and now has 50 million players and hardly anyone is saying a bad word against it. Like Nothing's to the point wrong. where like people are like borrowing mechanics from it, like just unashamedly. And we are, of course, talking about Apex Legends, the game of the hour 
And yeah, I think this release model of we haven't done any marketing, we haven't told you about it, it's free to play, go play it right now. Someone is going to copy this because 50 million players in, are we even at a month yet? I can't remember when it came out. but I think it's a, like, I think 35 days ago or something like that was when it was announced. But so I'm, that's crazy. I might be wrong. And it is crazy. still on three platforms. Like presumably it will come to mobile at some point. And mobile is when Fortnite really went crazy because it just opened it up to this whole new uh, market of players. So if Apex does that, then it could become the number one, really. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's, it's fun. It's, it's Fortnite without having to be a young kid who can multitask and build a bridge and a platform and a this and then that while they're also shooting at people. And it's better than blackout and that blackouts is kind of one and done. I think like, I think the thing that really made apex stand out from everything else is that you can grab a mate's tag and revive him. If you are clever enough. Like game changer. Figured out the best way to be able to play as a group of three without having to use marks. It obviously helps, but the ping system is so easy to use. Pretty much everyone uses it. Like we've only played a few times with the third player who just kind of runs off and ignores us. Most people are kind of from the beginning of this game ingrained in you play as a team, use the pinging, even if it's just to say where you're going. Like a lot of people don't use much more than that. Yeah. But getting that right from the start and getting that culture right from the start has set it up for success. So it's worked really well. And as you say, I think Rainbow Six said they're pretty much just going to take it because they love it so much. Yeah. And Fortnite's already taken ping. They've taken, well, like there's a bus in the game now that's going to be the revive system that they haven't turned on yet. But like they've said that they want to take the revive system. So people are just grabbing things left, right and center. There's like, and I know this game isn't the new, like isn't new. It's not like Battle Royale just came out. So it's had a lot of games to look back at and try to approve upon. But like, even a simple thing of you're a team of three, it's not like you jump out of the back of the plane and all decide where you're going to land. By default, there's one jump master. He picks where you land. And if you don't like purposefully try to get out of it, you all land at the same spot. So it's not like you have to try to find each other. It's just like little simple things like that really improve the experience for me. They've pretty much taken the Apple approach. They've done like the iPod. The MP3 player was around, Apple waited, and they just changed everything. They had a way to fix it, basically. So they've waited. They've seen what everyone else has done. They've, As you say, they have like a jump master. They have a good pinging system. They have a good revive system. They've figured out kind of the right blend between Blackout's kind of just looting and shooting and Fortnite's kind of more, I guess, friendly approach. And then Overwatch's character-based model taken the best from everything, put it in and made a way better game, in my opinion, than any of the others. But I could never get into Fortnite. So yeah, yeah, waiting and taking the best from each game has really, has really worked well. What do you think of, do you think the characters are diverse enough and the abilities mean enough to gameplay? Or is it kind of just like a, a blackout, you have guns, you shoot people kind of game? Um, I think I don't use them enough personally, but there's been a couple where, you know, when we use um pathfinder and actually like using his um zip line like i didn't only starting to use it now and thinking about using it that's the problem i haven't really thought about it enough but yeah it adds an element of difficulty a uh, different different gameplay really that yeah i really like yeah I, I like it too um and we've won like two whole games ben so we're basically experts at this point i think we have about a three percent win rate <laughs> would that be right <laughs> But we've won with two different characters each, so that's already two achievements. Like that's true. It's pretty good. 
Um, anything else you want to say about Apex Legends? Or uh, actually, what do you think about the um? So like, it's a free game, but already I feel yeah. entitled. Um, how do you feel about the speed at which you could unlock the two paywalled characters without spending any money? Well, I've played for 15 hours now and I haven't got either of them, but I'm close. I think I've got about 9,000 or 10,000 red bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, You need 12,000 per character, which would be roughly level 50, I think. You're about level 20 now, if I recall. Yeah, maybe. So maybe just under level 50, you'd be able to get both of them. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little slow because we're probably talking about 20 hours each of just playing. Of course, they're only like $12 each or something, aren't they? So yeah, you could just buy them, of course. Since I haven't spent any money in this game, but I've played it a lot more than anything else recently, I could buy them. But now I've invested so much time, I almost just want to unlock them. It would have been nice to get something meaningful unlocked a little earlier. Well, I guess it it is pretty cheap to unlock them as well. But the other thing is I give zero shits about any of the cosmetic stuff that unlocks. Like it's... yeah it doesn't change anything. So I'm not feeling any pressure to spend any money for any of that stuff. Um, getting EA access to get Anthem early got me enough like in game gold credits to buy one of the characters. So I get a leg up already. Um, and then like, I'm almost like you, I'm almost at the point where I can unlock one with just like playing the game. But that means I have every character unlocked and I feel like, caustic maybe not mirage i haven't seen people use mirage very well who can like throw out the decoy but i've seen people play as caustic who has like giant sacks of toxin and i've seen people just destroy with him because he has like so much area of effect damage so it kind of feels like the paid characters are like maybe you get more of an advantage with those so it's that kind of weird like slippery slope i suppose but I think Not enough. Okay. For it. I don't know. I don't think it matters. Having two out of eight characters behind a paywall that you can unlock with a lot of time, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I, I don't think you get a huge advantage because if you're going for the win with each character or each character type, by the time you get there, you'll have unlocked them both. So, very true. Yeah. They had to do something to make money, and presumably with fifty million players, they've made a lot of money. Oh, surely enough to make Titanfall three, hopefully. Oh, maybe. I think they're pretty down this path of Apex now, so I'm yeah. sure we well, will get Titanfall 3 at some point. The thing I did like about this is that people have gone back to Titanfall 2 who maybe hadn't been exposed to it, and I think like it's a solid game. Titanfall and Titanfall 2 are solid games. They just kind of just got the wrong end of the stick, the wrong end of the deal from EA. Like They released Battlefield and stuff when Titanfall 2 came out and kind of just got yeah. forgotten about, which is sad. It's well documented. Oh, well. Um, shall we move on? We shall. Ben, I uh, I killed about 10 kids with a baseball bat on a motel the other day. Not again. I told you. You can't keep doing that. <laughs> but they were the asking for it. They were begging for it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's okay. Then. Or rather, they weren't begging for it, but the game was basically begging me to do it. Um, I had a chance to play Days Gone, um, which was announced at E3 2016, and it's the um zombie except they're called freakers uh game with the motorcycle gang dude uh the guy who played star killer in the force unleashed oh that's it's also the dude of, uh, well, you, come on you know who i'm talking about Some, i know who you're talking about but uh, i would never have come up with star killer 
that guy. Oh, I had to look it up. Don't worry. I'm like, the, uh, he's the apprentice is what I called him, but his name is Starkiller. Anyway, um, he's the main character. From what I've seen at E3, um, it's, it's this weird game that is trying to kind of be as emotionally compelling as the last of us. And also as zombies. Um, but when you actually start playing it past the prologue and the first mission or so, it's it's basically just state of decay with a budget, um, which is fine. But I think the problem I had with the game is that it's trying to do both of those things and it's not doing either very well. So you kind of get like a decent game that either should have just picked being a narrative kind of experience talking about a post-apocalyptic, a post-apocalyptic zombie world and like, you know, this man who may or may not have lost his wife and just like this open world blah where you go through nests of zombies anyway that's not even the point the point is they have these things called newts which is is like referencing a tadpole which is referencing children who have been infected by this zombie virus who are basically like zombie kids they're not like the normal zombies in that they don't just like stand on the road and attack you whenever they see you. They're kind of scared of the other zombie factions in the land. So they hide on roofs and things like that. Um, and they won't really attack you unless uh, Sony Ben, who's the developer has kind of programmed them to jump scare you. Or if you're low on health and they kind of see you, you know, like hobbling along, they might attack you in a pack. So they're like, scavengers basically um the thing is they're like they look like little kids who are zombies so i kind of had an issue with hurting these kid zombies because it looks like you're killing kids um and it's kind of a mixed message from sony right now like the uh, animator they had uh, at the preview in australia said no they're not kids don't worry but then you look at the announcement in 2016 and the head of sony ben's like yeah they're adolescents they were turned you know when the virus came and now they're like kid zombies so it's like this weird thing where i'm not sure people are going to like it too much and i'm kind of having trouble like making sense of it in my own head if that makes sense so if you have questions or anything fire away well it is interesting because i can't actually think of many games that have children as or children looking things as enemies that you kill a lot of them are in there like horror games you kind of have you know, freaky little girls, the shining style. Yeah. You don't normally kill them at all. Like they're just kind of there as a scare tactic. I think there was like one kid in one of Telltale's walking dead episodes. That was like a kid. You just kind of put it down. But I think God, that is put different. It down. Well, like, I guess it's a zombie in there. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like Sony's like argument. Yeah. Like they're not humans anymore. They're infected they're an infected menace and like they just happen to look kind of childlike, but you still have to kill them. And if it was a real zombie apocalypse, Ben, I wouldn't hesitate to kill zombie kids, but it's a video game no. and it's kind of unsettling for me. Yeah. Well, that is strange. I mean, that's probably what they're going for. They probably want it to be unsettling. Yeah. But games don't know how to deal with this. Movies and TV do have dying kids for lack of a better term and they figure out how to do it. Games often just avoid it. Like the streets of GTA, there's no kids anywhere purposely to make sure that you can't accidentally run them over. I think Red Dead had like two kids in the entire game who were part of the story. Yeah. Um, so, and most, you never notice, do you? You never realize that there's no kids in game world. And when one does pop up and they're just some character's kid who's part of the story, 
you just kind of say, oh, yeah, there's the only child in the whole universe, but you never really notice. So I don't think we need to put them in. And the thing that I like, and I fancy this bit, I'm bringing it back to Resident Evil 2, but they added, Capcom added the orphanage area to the game. And that was kind of like put out through marketing, like, oh, we've got this new area. It's called the orphanage. And I immediately thought, oh, like, okay, Capcom's doing this. They're going to have zombie kids and either you're going to walk in as Leon and Claire and have to like deal with the zombie kids or, you know, like if they played it safe, Cherry hadn't ever been able to hurt anyone in the original game. And as far as I knew in the, in the remake. So I'm like, oh, maybe there'll be zombie kids, but you'll play as Sherry and you'll have to just kind of avoid them. But Capcom didn't even like breach that. They just kind of went, nah, we're we're having a zombie orphanage or an orphanage. There's no zombies in it. It's just, it's just, an empty room. So I was kind of scared that there would be zombie kids in the game. And I didn't want to to have to kind of deal with that. And Capcom didn't even do this. So like Mm. Bravo to Sony Ben for doing it, I guess. But a part of me is also really concerned that like the mainstream media is going to jump on this and be like, Oh, this game encourages you to kill kids and da, 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 da. Like it's going to be the new Fortnite wrecks your real life children kind of thing. Well, that definitely will happen, but that doesn't really matter. It'd be interesting to see what the reaction is from beyond the mainstream media. See if gamers in general care or if they even notice. Yeah, um, a couple do. Like I went looking for, because we didn't get to capture anything from the preview. So I had to go and find like assets and stuff. And there's only like two photos of these newts that I could find. And as I was doing my text-based search, looking for these images, like I was seeing a lot of threads on Reddit pop up with people being like, uh, how do we feel about this? And it wasn't, didn't seem... Like there was a lot of uh, support for the idea, but it could just be the people jumping on. I'm going to Google it now because I I cannot think of any game where you kill anything that resembles a child even slightly. No alien kids or anything. So I'm sure someone's done it before, but I can't think of any AAA mainstream games. So that's probably why they've changed their tact. In 2016, they probably didn't really realize what they were doing. And now they've had the PR people come in, the marketing team has said, just say they're not children, they're zombies or whatever they're called. Well, and there, it was a preview event. So there was, you know, like 10 games journals in a room and we all got to that point. We kind of like turned to each other and we're like, oh, how'd they get this through like the classification board? I guess like not really knowing what violence against children classification terms are, but like someone in the room who was a Sony representative. I'm not saying very high up the chain, but like someone who decided he was going to mouth off at the time said, Oh, but it's about knowing how to frame it. So we went and said, you know, like these guys were uh, not human. They were infected by a virus. So they were just like enemies. It's like, eh, like that seems like a loophole. I'm not crazy about the idea. That's what people do. I do recall speaking to someone just before we got the R18 rating for game. So that's five, six years ago. And so how games were rated then, I imagine it's still similar, is someone from the game company, the publisher, goes in, takes it to the classification board, and they walk them through it, basically. Oh, 100%. So they explain it, and pretty much they said, you know, if your game gets refused classification in Australia, and it's not due to the drug thing, which we have a problem with, um, you've just done a poor job of explaining it. You need to be the ones to tell them why it fits into whatever category. So that's what he's talking about. He's just saying, oh, yeah, we know how to frame it. They're, they're upfront about it and they've identified that this is maybe a point of contention and they justified it. Whether or not that's right or not, like, I don't know, that's beyond the point. 
But anyway, we'll find out next month. True. Shall we move uh, on? We shall move on because I'm actually very excited to hear that Game Pass is potentially coming to other platforms. Still a rumor really at this stage, but it's popped up in a few different versions. We kind of had the rumor that it was coming to Switch, which people yeah. were excited about. And we've had Phil Spencer say a few times he wants to bring it to other platforms, but hasn't really said how. Um, so currently it's on Xbox and Windows 10, I think. Yeah. Is it on Windows? Oh, uh, no, not yet. It's, um, not yet, it's they're testing Windows. on Windows 10. There's a pilot program right now that is using the original State of Decay. And instead of people playing a Windows 10 version of the game, they're downloading and accessing the Xbox server version of the game, which leads people to think that they're testing taking native Xbox games and playing them on PC, which means like PC people could access the game pass library from xbox and just play it natively on windows and that's what spencer wants to do he's basically said we're moving beyond hardware not that they're going to stop making xbox apparently we're having two next generation but he wants to be on more platforms be more of a service and that's how game pass will be successful if they get out there especially before sony even thinks about it and they're on mobile they're on switch they're on pc It'll be hard to stop. It'll be the Netflix, which is what they want, of this kind of game download system. Oh, yeah. Like, seeing Microsoft kind of change their tact, like, they're definitely number two in the console race, but kind of seeing them change the way that they're thinking about video games is is exciting. And if that means that you can play... Like, right now, you can already do it. You can play Minecraft on Switch and get Xbox achievements. Like, for me, that's, like, the best of both worlds. If I can play on different platforms but still, like, feed my gamer score, Ben... Like, that's the happiest I know, person I could ever want. be. <laughs> that would make Switch so much more valuable for you. you it's well, useful to play here. And if you can, if, if like, I don't know how it would work online or offline, but if I go traveling, my laptop isn't good enough to play some games and they're not even available on my laptop. So if I could take my Switch and play, like, Just Cause 4, which just came out on Game Pass today, like, that's, well, that's a lot better than trying to take an Xbox. Don't know. What we think would happen is it wouldn't play on Switch. It would have to be streamed to it. Yeah. Just because there's no way most of those games are playing on Switch. Um, And Nintendo have already done that in Japan where you can get, I think, Resident Evil 7 and Assassin's Creed Origins, I think. Odyssey. Odyssey, was it? Yeah. You'd play them on Switch, um, pretty much just streaming from a server. This is actually what Microsoft wanted to do in the Don Mattress years. And yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of so happening now. Through Project X Cloud. So there's a whole bunch of like Microsoft technologies. The thing is, like they've announced X Cloud. They've talked about wanting to bring bring Game Pass to um, devices. Like it just seems like all these technologies are kind of like making sense working together. So like GDC's in a week, and it's highly likely that we'll hear more about this then, which is really cool. I think so. It would be interesting to see what happens with games like Doom, which is already released on Switch. If it's a Game Pass game, obviously, does Bethesda get annoyed by that? Do they ever say in it? Are they going to say like, no, we only want that on Xbox because I think the Switch version costs like four times as much. So that type of thing may hold it up. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, and I guess Just Cause is a good example. It came out in December um, and we didn't give it a very good rating. I don't think a lot of people did. So... Like and I have but no idea. Give it a go, for, case or not, um, Game Pass. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like so Square is maybe making some money off kind of offloading Just Cause to Game Pass now to try to, you know, like recoup costs or just like get extra money from it. So like I think Square Enix may have done a deal with Microsoft because we've seen a lot of their games come three months later. Yeah. So we had Tomb Raider. Um, Tomb Raider, that Shadow of the Tomb Raider came about three or four months after it came out. We've now had Just Cause 4, three months. And they've said that Life is Strange 2 episodes will be on Game Pass 90 days after release. Well, so true. there's a pattern of kind of three-month releases happening with all their releasing games. And Shadow of the Tomb Raider was a good game, so they didn't just offload that. And so is Life is Strange. Um, Very true. The annoying thing with that, and like off-topic completely, is that it annoys me that things like... Um, well, the Final Fantasies are kind of synchronizing, but like take uh, all of those old Kingdom Hearts games. A lot of these like uh, West or Eastern developers and publishers just publish to like PC and PS4 and they just kind of skip Xbox, which just annoys me because I'd like to play some of these games, but I don't want to play them enough to jump to a different platform. So if there's some yeah. arrangement where I can now play like a game on Switch through Xbox, like, cool sign me up this like the future ben technology in the future this sounds great i don't know if we'll get that far i know what you're thinking you want nintendo to say just put achievements in all our games xbox i don't think they're going to do that but we, you know <laughs> probably you not. never know persona 5 on my xbox would be awesome but anyway <clears throat> um another thing that would be awesome that isn't likely to happen well actually no i don't i don't even know um microsoft put out this cool video of a rainbow controller for Sydney Mardi Gras, which happened last weekend. Um, and quite a lot of people have gone to social media and just said like, I would pay for that controller. Can I have it please? Um, which Microsoft said, yeah, we're taking notice of people who are asking for this and we'll see what happens. Like who knows what's going to happen. I just think it's kind of neat that um, it's potentially going to happen. But that said, like Australia doesn't even have, xbox design labs we can't even design our own equivalent controller so who knows it was an elite controller too wasn't it it was it was the like the white elite controller that's just come out and they just basically like a rainbow overlay on it and said happy mardi gras but a lot of people thinking like i would pay for that um and like it's that post's gone gangbusters it's been put on gamers it's on facebook it's on twitter and people are like asking for it it's not just me like demanding this controller happen though if they do make it ben i want one for free like i think i've done enough work you'll get one well i think therein lies the problem i think you may get it for free but it won't actually be for sale because xbox australia has done some great promotions they did the xbox onesie they're very happy about they did the grease proof PUBG controller i have that in my closet and i have not used it once since there you go I think if this is going to be made, it could be Xbox Australia who pop their hand up again and they make a cool promotional item that you can have, but the average person can't actually buy it. I'd hope that's not the case. That doesn't really tell me with a lot of happiness. I feel bad. I think I'd have to give that one away. Mm, Well, I think being an elite controller may hurt them because if it was a normal controller with design lab set up, they probably could do it easily, but the elite may make it harder. I think people would settle for just a normal one too, but that's just Yeah, they may have to do that. They would actually. Yeah. I mean, I could not use a normal controller because once you go elite, you do not go back. But as a collectible. Precisely. It's something that. Well, and the the elites Uh, aren't that great. So like the elites will like eventually break after a while. Like I've gone through two right bumpers. So uh, that is true. 
both of mine have had the peeling grip issue, but yeah. having said that, I sent them both to Xbox and they both got repaired for free. So that was like two years after I got them, three years even. Nice. So that's pretty good. Good support. I feel like you were doing an amazing segue and I completely ruined it, but... uh. Uh, I've stuffed it now, so I'm just going to say, Nintendo <laughs> oh, president man, Reggie I'm retiring is, soon. What are you? Reggie right? is retiring. Oh, You're not retiring. what? Oh, okay. Saved you. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Well, well, he has been in this job for a long time. I think he started 2004. Um, if I recall, it opened E3 2004 with the infamous line of "My name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass." And something else, playing games or something. And then they just cut away from him again. I'm like, who was that? And also, Not that I body is ready. Or did that come later? That was a few years later. Oh. That was, I think, a Wii reveal. Oh, that makes sense. Because in his first E3, he did the classic. I think he revealed the DS and he did the classic, oh, what's in my pocket? Look at this. <laughs> um, you just don't get that anymore, that level of technology reveal. <sighs> I want to go watch that again. He'd be like so green, wouldn't he? Like, oh, what is it here in my pocket? And now he's just like doing Smash Brothers like promos, like it's going out of style. Oh, yeah. But from that opening, he really did kind of, he was the face of Nintendo along with Iwata for a lot of people. So it's not going to be that easy to replace him. I know Bowser is a cool surname for Doug Bowser to be taken over with, but he's, he's got to have the presence of Reggie. And as much as Reggie never gave anything away, like there was never any cool tidbits. He was on script the whole time, but it didn't really matter. He's still kind of, delivered the message people liked hearing what he had to say um and when you think of you know who's a personality from xbox from playstation from nintendo reggie is probably the first one you're going to say i'd say yeah Reg- reggie and like don matrick don matrick wet blanket phil spencer's done a lot and he's he's the same kind of personable but like you think of sony and not so much like sean Layden has his sure. ups and downs but um right like Reggie yeah. is memeable because of how he like he's clearly an actual fan like he's like he said in his retirement video kind of just like throwing himself into the role and like you can see that he's excited and he's in, like enthused um whereas like Doug Bowser's meme quality is his last name so far so so far he could be good too but he yeah it would be a hard personality to replace Sony's never really had that. They used the Kevin Butler kind of joke for a little while, which worked for its time, but was never going to last too long. Um, they had Kaz for a while too, but he was more the the Sony Japan side who just did everything. Well, and he a benefited while. a lot from like that Twitter account that wasn't him. That was kind of just like poking yeah, fun. Like true. they built up his personality through that somehow, which was neat. And like Nintendo of America has has definitely done a lot for Nintendo of Japan in kind of getting western audiences like more enthused with their brand and like reggie does all the stuff that like awada wouldn't necessarily do because of the way that Japanese wouldn't work for him, yeah. themselves and there's so many photos of just reggie iwata and miyamoto as the kind of three at e3 every year for about 15 years nearly and that was Nintendo for a lot of people. Miyamoto didn't say much, but he was just having him there as kind of the icon is all you needed from him. You had Iwater as I'm in charge. Then you had Reggie to deliver the message. So it, it worked really well. And now we pretty much, yeah, Miyamoto doesn't make as many public appearances anymore. So there's a real changing of the guard at Nintendo. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's a good, a good change of the guard. We'll see at E3 this year. Hmm. Not that they have a conference anymore, but they have, you know, still a presence. Well, you're going, maybe you'll run into Reggie just being a fan, just walking around. The Hopefully he's got a fan pass. That'd be nice. I've seen, uh, Iwata and Miyamoto at E3. I've got their street passes. I never saw Reggie. Oh, really? 
I don't think so. You got to fix that, buddy. Yeah, well, he's not going to be there. I got Miyamoto's. I was pretty happy about that. Not that I carry a 3DS anymore, so I don't know why Nintendo hasn't put Street Pass on like as a mobile app. Maybe on the way out, that's what Reggie does. He's like, I'm retiring. By the way, boom, Street Pass. Thanks later. I'm out. People love that at like PAX and E3, but you can't fit your gigantic Switch in your back pocket. So mobile app, it's such an obvious thing. I agree. I, I th- like we're so efficient, Ben. Like forty-five minutes is what we kind of were aiming for, and we've pretty much hit that. That's it. We're done. That's another episode. We don't really know when we'll be back, but we should soon. Let's let's go with at least a bi-weekly schedule, um, which I ruined immediately after we recorded the last one because I went to yeah. Paris and stuff. We, but, um, we call that fortnightly in this country, but uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I've I've barely been in Australia, Ben. I don't know what's going on anymore and how we describe things. So that's right. Thanks for that. Um, works for me. We'll see how we kind of go. Um, but yeah, I think it, it would work better if if people kind of feedback to us what they like, what they don't like. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Just hit us up on the social medias and stuff. Um, the website's at Stavivor on everything. I'm at S Right AU. Ben, I'm at Ben underscore Salter. Um. Yeah, and that's it. We don't know how to end these things yet, but we'll get there. We don't know. No. I think we will say that we are uh, we're pretty much focusing on current release games at the moment. Previous episodes, sometimes we delve back a little too far. So I, I like that we're talking about the current, and then we move on. So maybe we'll stick with that. That's why we're so efficient. So no more Apex Legends, even if we win like two more games. That is the asterisk. Every time we win in Apex, you'll be hearing about it. Yes. So uh, you won't you won't be hearing about it again, guys. Thanks for joining (laughs) us. We'll see you next time. See ya.